Hey everybody, welcome to the 100th episode of MathCast. I'm your host, Christian. And I'm your co-host, Levi. And before we get started, just a quick reminder to please check out our Patreon if you want to get some cool exclusive benefits like access to our Discord and Livecast. And MathCore Index Fest 2023 is right around the corner, July 22nd at Trans Pecos in Queens, New York, featuring the Sawtooth Grin, Thin, The Sound That Ends Creation, Sunflower, Under the Pier, Miko, and now introducing Long Island progressive metal outfit More of Myself to Kill, and Brooklyn noise punk math rock duo Venus Twins. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, links are in both uh, Mathcore Index and Screamo Index uh, on Instagram. And then can we throw the link at the bottom of this menu? Can yeah, I'll, you- I'll throw the link for the tickets as well in the bottom of this description. Um, but you can also go find it on our link tree. Boom, advertisement. And... So before we jump into the bands, uh, just to, you know, we wanted to like sort of talk about uh, the origin of the podcast, seeing it's how it's the 100th episode. I figured we'd kind of yeah, um, it's it's crazy to think because we've been doing this since 2017, 16, 17. Uh, yeah, 2016. 16. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. half half of the year is 2016. We started in October of 2016. Crazy dude. Uh, so yeah, it's um, I can't believe it's only 100 episodes. It. But it's you know it's a it's a crazy ride. We're not the most prolific podcast. Well, it's a lot of it's a. I, I feel what's crazy is that uh, back in the day when we were doing this monthly, and we did this monthly until about when COVID hit, and then it was like up and down. But when when uh, when we did this the first few years, I feel like we we would cover bands monthly, and we had just about enough to cover. Like. Nowadays, I feel like we have a lot more of a quote-unquote just flood going of multi-genre and just coming from all different angles with mathcore elements that we are able to, you know, include on this podcast. Yeah, Um, the scene is is clearly flourishing more since 2016 i feel like the one thing like that you know naturally with us and for every anybody that's been listening to us for more than a few years yes we're kind of on a soft schedule once or twice a month you know um it's a very it's a very loose schedule we we, we shoot for twice a month yep as as like covid basically as post covid i mean if you're listening to us on any format naturally best thing is to follow us you know even on spotify and stuff so you can catch our when we end up deciding to finally release something you know like that kind of thing but uh overall man it's a it's been a crazy ride i just really appreciate everybody's support and you know it's nuts yeah so let's so let's talk about how how we got our start in DIY music. Do you want to, you want to start? Tell them. Um, yeah. Um, we've both been in bands. Mm-hmm. We've both done like show booking and promotion. We both done record labels. We like, have a really similar background. Oh, we're just going to just list our street, our, our scene cred here. Is that what's going No, no, no. <laughs> All right. I got <laughs> well, inevitably I gotta yeah. make some things up here. One second. Some, no, no. <laughs> some people want to know this shit and they don't know. No, uh, now, so. uh, yeah. So, um, naturally, if you guys don't know from me ranting through all the years, um, I'm uh, from North Dakota, uh, and I just come from the DIY scene because, uh, I don't know, just found hardcore and metal music like in fourth or fifth grade and just naturally kept finding more and more heavy stuff to listen to. You got um, your start with like Pust, Crest Punk or? Um, I mean, in what, 90, 94, 93, 94, my cousin got me into Green Day. Okay, and then yeah, by fifth grade, gateway band fifth grade, I found like Corn and Ska. And then by like middle school, I was Crust. And then from there, like when I found Crust, I just. You were kept, in Crest so early. Mm-hmm, I just kept wanting to find 
more and more like heavy things you know i'd find death metal and i'd hear the blast beats like okay okay and i'd hear you know and then until like the high school years when i found like breakdowns and shit like that you know it's like i i just feel like through my year my my childhood i was just looking for heavier heavy music but um yeah i think uh, a lot of people share that journey in this this community yeah i just like i just yeah it's like more 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 technical yeah heavier whatever it may be you're trying to find the absolute the, the logical end log- logical conclusion of that sound basically exactly exactly so so uh i mean this is definitely i was raised in the time of like not really having the internet as a searching tool or anything so i mean uh both christian and i so i feel that most of my stuff uh i just found randomly and then in middle school thankfully i had a few friends in the small town of 2000 people that we all kind of agreed that you know uh music outside of the radio was was good and stuff and then uh, i ended up finding uh people in my community in the small state of north dakota in my high school days of uh booking shows and stuff like three towns over or something and weird back like then that. the midwest was just really flourishing with underground music i think right yes not where i was specifically like in the town but uh and even in north close da- by yeah yeah north dakota minnesota south dakota um you know i mean naturally just midwest emo but also it was a really big screamo uh time with all the states and just had their little spots and little clicks and crews and stuff so growing up like you know a show would happen you know once a month and it would be an hour and a half drive away or something like that and then you drive back the hour and a half after the show you know with your friends but uh we saw some good stuff you know it was you just developed such a uh, an appreciation for that music when you spend all that time going to it i think that sort of sets your diehard fan apart from your your, your casual mm-hmm. fan so so basically like i feel like what like as far as getting into diy like the scene actually and like getting involved that was that was ultimately middle school into high school and seeing you know you'd meet people and you'd be like oh we're going to this house oh for the show oh we're going to this pizza place and you'd realize like oh it's pretty easy to book a show you know once you kind of like break it down you're like wait okay so i find this place i have the money for the thing and then i Talk hit the, the bands. And it's like oh wait when i set up a show that means like i get to set up the bands that i want like it was just a crazy idea it's like the first time you realize you can just move or travel somewhere when you're <laughs> you know when you're older you're like wait i can just go somewhere uh so yeah after uh middle school is uh i pretty much hit the ground running and then um when i moved to california after high school um i moved right to humboldt and my first year there selling cannabis at a dispensary i ran into christian and uh we kind of i guess embraced each other as through giving each other music and shit and then uh we we became friends because of a t-shirt like all great yeah. friendships started with a t-shirt within the first month <laughs> within the first month of meeting you we went to a Whitechapel show together in sacramento drove with you and oh, your girlfriend right. of the time um and, and the then, first month of meeting you huh that's yeah oh yeah oh, dude immediately dude we hung out once we vaped we hit your volcano at that old apartment that you got kicked out or with the with <laughs> i the, almost got into a fist fight with my with trash can yes. water yeah yeah yeah, yeah. trash can water <laughs> um and then uh a pretty much he after, called me a liar to be fair i wasn't gonna have that and then uh and then uh, pretty much at that time it worked out so well with christian because i had homies like from north dakota that were moving out of this house that i lived in in humboldt and so i basically brought in my my metal friends and christian was one of them and so we got to uh have band practices there do shows at this house and uh yeah it's fucking it kind of took off from there like our friendship and shit I mean, so where where did like you get into Screamo? Because for our listeners, Levi is the admin of Screamo Index, uh, something we kind of started out of spite for someone calling us Screamo Index for sharing Screamo adjacent so, bands. That's so funny too. Well, yeah. so yeah, it really it's a spite blog, but it's it's flourishing. I don't know if you've looked at Screamo Index community recently, but there's like two thousand people in that group sharing Screamo. Like more, it's more active than Scram Cave ever was, and far more. 
less toxic. If anybody say. ever <laughs> wonders why, uh, if you wonder why I'm not in there, because I don't look at it because I hate Facebook. So, uh, but I know uh, Dave, especially from uh, Zegma Beach, he really uh, posts a lot in there. So, for uh, our listeners, how did you get into Screamo, though? Oh, uh, literally just um, from the bands uh, that would come and play, and then, you know you would just learn uh, subgenres and just things like that, you know? And at that time, uh, I can't, this kind of, because got of brought, MySpace, I think. Yeah. This right? got brought, I mean, yeah, this got, well, no, this is, this, pre, this is pre MySpace. This even. is pre MySpace. Okay. When I first started going shows, that's pre MySpace in middle school. Oh, you mean like 1998 or something? Eight and nine. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we would, uh, bands would just show up and play and you'd be like, Oh, what the hell's going on here? Like, who are you? Like what, you know, what genre are you? And you kind of like hear it. And then, uh, most bands that would show up the, like those days specifically, I feel like every band that would come through, they would have merch, but they would also have a distro with them. And then there would always be like a local kid. Which is so with, sick. There would also be that. a local kid. My homie Lane would always be at every show. If they wanted him or not, he would set up a table and he would have crates of fucking mer- of, of vinyl and of like shit that, you know, is out of print or whatever. And like literally you would find so much like I'm looking at records right now in my collection, like over by Christian that I still have that I bought at, you know, in middle school and shit like that. So that's how I basically found Screamo. But uh, yeah, at that time too, Screamo, like it was kind of that breakdowny time finding that hardcore like poison the well and stuff as well and screamo just kind of you know grab yeah, right? your jerome's dream and your loma prieta's kind of right loma prieta was around that time getting their start as well oh, i loma think prieta, i don't know i don't know about them um they uh actually didn't know about maybe that's more like early 2000s yes yeah, probably and then also uh that's cut more, that cut that cut that cut that that's also like early bay area like i don't know yeah um but uh yeah um uh, screamo was basically uh ruled everything and then when i kind of met you i feel like that was more of the death core that was the era. that was the high, the high so yeah that was the, the height of death core for I, sure i definitely showed you screamo bands but other than that we uh we flourished together uh with death core and then you know with you uh, starting antarctica and everything and you didn't practice there with them but you practiced she loves it at the house yeah um we're getting ahead of ourselves here i was just gonna say um yeah so leading up to um, i just want to keep talking about the house <laughs> let's talk about your band really quickly before we talk talk about my bands though that uh, prologue to mariana's fall prologue it was it's actually bad uh grammar it's oh, prologue that's right. of mariana's see fall. my my english grammar yeah. brand is yeah. like no 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 it's prologue to not prologue of yep yeah it's just uh i uh, i have i had i had one crappy band uh i have to I, out you for it though yeah i had one crappy band you can look up uh one song and it was like a live practice set uh, song but uh yeah prologue of mariana's fall but we played uh we, we it's got, basically just one long breakdown it is but we got but like <laughs> like, like later on like intro track for three minutes later on later on later on we we we, we finally tuned and got better but we just never recorded anything it was just that north dakota thing i don't feel like any north dakota bands at that time ever put the time in to record themselves good studio shit yes good studio shit to put in the money but you should be proud of your contribution to 30 fathom grave of a sort of a little known once again i mean they they were better but just another band that just kind of fell away but But you uh, did a whole album worth of recording with them and it just didn't mm. end up Mm, one single like one, okay. one single that was when i was in prologue and they basically like had us come in and do vocals like dual vocals for one track but for uh, anyone who's not aware of 30 fathom grave great first of all number 12 reference or number 12 tw- 
Uh, Twilight Zone. Zone. Yep. Uh, Freudian slip there. Great Twilight Zone reference, but just a fucking really nasty ass band that's just like lost in the sands of time. Yeah, you, you know? can you can YouTube Thirty Fathom Grave. A uh, very early like um, I'd say like human abstract kind of approach. Um, very like sweet arpeggio oriented. After the burial uh, of like, the time it, of the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> not not now. Yeah, yeah. Like this is like this is like this is like when it's Nick, so dated. This is like right now. this is like when Nick Meyer, the OG vocalist, like on that first. Uh, album that you know that kind of thing so um god i'm trying to remember the band that happened before diania that guitarist andrew i think his name is and the drummer had another band before diania and it was just all melodic metalcore sweet arpeggio shit like non-stop that was so 2008 (laughs) i love that shit uh, but uh, yeah, man. Um, so basically, uh, that's that's ultimately that's my uh, my inclusion to the scene uh, as far as like, um, you know, we we booked a few shows uh, together, and uh, well, I guess I'm more helped out at the shows. You you ran the booking. You and Milan basically did most of the booking. Um, yeah. Yep. And then uh, at some at some point, we brought you into yeah, like you said to help. Yeah, and so at some point in um, the the 2000. Tens of some sort. I'm not sure what what year uh, that was. I think it was like nine or ten when I left the house that you guys were were in, and I ended up starting a new punk rock house um, in town in this town called Arcata, and uh, we were called the Big Tree. And ultimately, what great it, fucking venue, by the way. Yeah, what it was was basically a garage that we turned into a venue. Um, it was a three bedroom house. Uh, so my other, I'm so glad you remember the, the Big Tree because I was about to just fucking gloss yeah. right over it without even talking about it. Yeah, the Big Tree. So this this. This is the one thing I'm really proud of as far as like contribution goes. So this would have been, yeah, 2010. But uh, we had a one, we had like a one, one and a half car garage. And my two, my, my three roommates that I lived with, um, uh, one, uh, one dude was, uh, was, uh, was just a homie of ours. And the other, du- uh, the other two were a couple. Um, and they actually had a punk rock uh, band, kind of like a surf punk band called um, uh, Totally Irresponsible. So the girl Marie in that band, she like they changed names so many times though. Yeah, they set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I felt that was the best name in, at all. Pushing uh, daisies. All. Yeah, pushing daisies. That's yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so Maria, the drummer, she was doing um, uh, some class project in college, and so what she basically did was she learned how to soundproof our entire garage like properly. Like she did decibel levels and everything outside. So ultimately, we padded the floors, padded the walls, soundproofed everything and put in an air ventilation system like you would in a grow or something like that. And uh, we had a professional style uh, venue in our garage. We had like a little plank you could run up to and dive off of. And they had some legit shows there. You had yeah. Last of Lucy. You had Just Like Vinyl, which is Tomic, Thomas Eric of the Fall of Troy's uh, Kimya, side project. Kimya Dawson, uh, Kimya Dawson from Moldy Peaches showed up there. Uh, we had our, our whole thing with with the big tree was that we um, embraced anybody that was coming through, especially in Humboldt. Like it was such a long drive. It was five hours in and five hours out going to another show. Basically Um, most bands didn't understand the length that was to San Francisco and shit like that. But uh, we would host bands that would be 
um, coming from other countries mostly. So we did, and I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but you know, we would be like, okay, this week we're doing a band from this black hardcore band from Germany. Next week is Sister Sukundan, a really popular band from you know Sweden. And like, we would just kind of pump them in and out. It was insane. It was just shows constantly. Shows constantly. And we would, so, and it was really cool. You know, we had the soundproof. A very functional punk venue house. Yep. And like I said, everything was padded. Like you could really go off in there, but uh, we would uh, have a porta potty in the backyard. We'd bring you through the backyard, ticket you and everything. And then show would start. And man, it fucking went down. We never had cops show up or anything like that. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. I saw some really great shows there. And just for for our listeners who aren't aware, Arcata and Humboldt in general has has a big history of I mean, especially Arcata has a history of house shows. Yep. Like uh, that's yeah. Fleet Foxes, Grizzly Bear, a number of like legendary freak folk, man, Animal Collective. They, yep. f- um, a lot of freak folk bands, uh, a lot of black metal bands. Stop in Humboldt. It, it, Mr. Bungle is from Eureka, so. Um, McKinleyville. And they're from Eureka. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, or at least Mike, Mike Patton went to Eureka High School. Yeah, Mike Patton's house is in like McKinleyville, like out yeah, yeah, there, yeah. right? He went um, to Eureka High School, so I think they they rep Eureka. It's uh right by that vista. It's like right across from that vista point, right when you start seeing the ocean going down. Anyways, <laughs> this is good podcast water. <laughs> yeah, directions that they can't see and shit. Yeah, it's yeah. over that ravine, right? Yeah, I hope everybody saw the the hand motion that I he, made. He gestured in the wrong direction in terms of actual, you know, alignment. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> you like signaled south. It's right. Uh, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's that was that's basically it. And then uh, came uh, came up to uh, San Francisco soon after, like in 2016. Uh, well, you moved there not long after I did. Yep, yep. And then um, as soon as I moved there, I remember us kind of starting to chat about what else to do with uh, Mathcore Index. And I was a huge into podcast ever since podcast became a thing. And I told I was telling him all the time about listening to uh, Ma- uh, Metal Injection and like other random fucking podcasts. Uh, and uh, I kind of, in a way, just talked you into like trying, oh, no, you trying are, out the podcast. You, you know? are totally the catalyst for this podcast. If you had not convinced me to do it, I, there would not be a Mathcore Index podcast. And now you, you, and then I've. For you, it's really funny. Like I think you've mentioned before, but for the first few years, you still didn't listen to other podcasts. No. And then now you're kind of listen to other shit. Now you got into it, but it was really now I listen to a yeah. Now I listen to the heaviest podcast. That's yeah. my number one for sure. I love those boys, UK dudes, just talking about. It's it's more broad than what we cover, obviously, as you know your your typical metal podcast will be. But their their banter really keeps me coming back. Um, just a quick plug for them. And my other favorite one that I'm enjoying right now is Music Rules with uh, Jack and Finn. Dude, Jack's new. I just got into it. It's a little over my head, um, but <clears throat> it's very enjoyable. They got a good uh, they got a good chemistry together. So. Having your appendices out is is maybe a, a must. Like look at your musical terms, but yeah. Music Rules is a fucking great podcast. Jack from Basil's Kite and his homie Finn. Really great conversation there, too. So, yeah, I was not a listener or an enjoyer of podcasts whatsoever until you suggested that. You you kept forcing Metal Injection Livecast on me. So that was what sort of our inspiration was originally was the Metal Injection Livecast. What I like about this is like... like Which most people probably don't know. mm -hmm, Yeah. And I mean, like, to to wrap it all up here, like, on my side, like, um, I just, like, I think that with what we ended up doing here... I think it's really cool because we basically have had the same equation to the the format of the podcast the whole fucking time. Um, and I like the format. I love, I mean, this is kind of like what I strive for. If I wanted to listen to a music podcast, I would want to hear a little banter and I want to actually hear a song. Like I listened, like I listened to the radio and back in the day, Metal Injection, they had like a music break and they took that away like in 2017 or 18. And it's got, a lot of work to edit in music. I don't know. I think it was more, I'm not sure if it was a legality thing or what. Well, that like, too. You can, you know, we, we obviously run the risk by putting up the music in our shit, but I, I don't really think, give a fuck. It's you like, think past Bonnie would have figured something out? He's a pretty good businessman. No one's there. taking that an episode yet so i'm gonna continue to do it and yeah 
I'm not putting up like huge. I'm not putting up Roadrunner or like you know Warner Brothers music on my podcast. So if anybody wants to come after us with, uh, for all those mathcore dollars, uh, <laughs> we have a few. We have like a like a two, yeah. two or three mathcore dollars. <laughs> they can have it. I mean, we have a. If you really want to get down to it, okay, let's not get into that. <laughs> no, you can have the three dollars. It's fine if you want it. No, um, but uh, yeah, um, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, yo, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Um, give me a little uh, background, dude, and your involvement, because like I feel like I, I, like. Did were you in like bands like back in the day and stuff? Like I really no, I wasn't really in any bands back in the day, but you know, a lot like you, I got my start with I had a punk friend who showed me Green Day and Sublime. I, I what was your a, first Green Day album? Oh, uh, Dookie. My boy. Okay. Yeah, Dookie was my believe it or not, Dookie was my first album. I had Dookie and Sublime self titled on the side A and side B of a cassette and I just fucking spun that shit to death. I took it to Europe with me when I was like I think I was ten years old or something. Shout out to mixtapes. Yeah, that shit really got me through uh, uh, <laughs> some rough times when I was 10 years old. But um, yeah, so, uh, you know, early punk and uh, pop punk rather and sublime kind of shit like punk reggae or whatever was sort of my, my entry to this kind of music. And I started listening to like, you know, ra- everyone finds like new metal and like rap metal, I think, at that during that time too. It just really, you know, rage against the machine. New metal found us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yep. d- Deftones and... I didn't really start playing in bands until I moved to Humboldt. You know, I, um, I've been living in my hometown since I was, uh, you know, I think I was like 23. That you was... and I both come from like just small, quote unquote, bumfuck towns a little bit. There. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Sonora, which is a, a bit of a, uh, a, a podunk town, if it you is will. It's a beautiful podunk town in a beautiful location. But it's a great place yes. to grow up, for yes. sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but there's not really like a music scene there. So I wasn't really like playing music with anybody. I was just like playing in my bedroom. But, you know, I had... I spent a lot of time searching for music, you know, on the internet that was just like, you know, looking for the heavier, more technical stuff. And um, it's playing guitar a lot, of course, like probably like eight hours a day. Actually, at that time, I was like treating it like it was my job because I didn't have a job. Yeah. So I ended up moving up to Humboldt in 2008 and I met Levi at a cannabis dispensary and we started talking about music. So that's how I met Levi, the very simple origin story there. Christian bought a sack from me and he had a job for a cowboy t-shirt on and I said, hey, sick ass <laughs> t-shirt. And then that was basically it. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, we started going to shows and shit and I met Levi's friends who ended up being my first bandmate. So I was in this band called She Loves It, which is, I know, an absolutely terrible name. And it was just like, very typical MySpace deathcore kind of stuff, uh, you know, Black Dahlia murder inspired, like super heavily, I'd say. Absolutely. Just another like Black Dahlia clone at the time. I met some people in the local scene from this band called Antarctica. I, I didn't start Antarctica, by the way. I just, I met Quaid and Quentin and they needed a guitarist. All their, basically had lost their guitarist and their drummer. So I joined and I was in that band for a couple of years. And uh, if you're not aware, that's the intro music of this podcast. And that's a bit self-serving, but sort of like avoid any, I think my, my thinking was we'll avoid legal trouble and use. I think, I think, I, I think quite a few people through the years have been like, what is that intro track? Like, what is that? Who is that? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's my old band. And that's me actually playing guitar in the intro music of this podcast. Again, definitely a bit self-serving, but I think it's, I think it's served as well as the intro music. Um, uh, is this is like at the same time, uh, this is when, you know, Milan from, she loves it, uh, your, your bandmate, uh, you guys started, uh, kicking up, the yeah. whole, uh, you know, set book- the stage productions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So thank you for keeping me on track. So I'm definitely a little faded right now. So yeah, I started booking shows under the moniker of set the stage productions. So that's how I kind of got in, I get, started getting more that involved. That was a fucking crew. 
Yeah, I mean, Levi, excuse me, Milan really set that up. You know, he was booking See You Next Tuesday and Psyopus and Heavy Heavy Lolo and a lot of the like really quintessential mathcore bands of the time. I, I sort of came in a bit late on Set the Stage Productions, but I, I took it over for him afterwards. And yeah, so I ended up moving to San Francisco in like 2012. And I had already been like writing for my other blog, A Broken Circuit Monologue at the time, which was... You know, not like super heavily trafficked. Now it's got like 600,000 views, it looks like. But, uh, <laughs> which is so weird because it's just like a, this like blog spot that I just like left up to sort of memorialize the time period. But yeah, so if you're not familiar with that, A Broken Circuit Monologue was my side blog. And that was what I was doing prior to Math Core Index. And it was very like dilettantish paragraph form writing. It wasn't really like long form at all. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon from MathCore Index. I, I didn't start MathCore Index. Is the other thing that most people don't know. Uh, Simon uh, Richard invited me to become an admin for MathCore Index because he liked Broken Circuit Monologue, I think, and he would just. I think he was sort of slowing down in his posting, so I was happy to take it over, and that was like in 2014. So yeah, Levi moving to San Francisco. We both started listening to, um, or he started turning me on to Metal Injection Livecast, and that was basically the inspiration for MathCast. After we started doing the podcast, I think that was sort of inspiration for me to take Math Core Index to the next level, even though I wasn't really, again, the the founder of it. Like, the potential was was there. Well, you you did, you immediately did, well, in the nicest way, you just basically, you you did a lot, you did a lot more posting than Simon did um, when you started doing Math Core Index, because you were already doing Broken Circuit, and I feel like since it was such a great, like, a following already with Math Core Index and a format, you just took to it. You it's like the same the people yeah. who would be following yep. my blog, Yeah, basically. it's like, you definitely hit the ground running with that, but, like, at that same time, you know, it was kind of getting big, and then I got there, you know, we talked about, you know, doing the podcast, and then at about that time, too, you were pretty fucking active, because... Um, that's when Dark Trail Records pretty much started at that time. I want to say podcast started and then you kind of kicked in right after or was yep. it? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. I, I, basically, I started conceptualizing Dark Trail in late 2016. For our listeners, I also run the record label Dark Trail Records, which is basically our de facto affiliate label for MathCore Index. Yeah, and then for all of you out there, um, I I guess I missed that I missed that, but uh, that oh yeah, part, but Cliff I guess Parade Records. yeah, I did Cliff Parade Records, which was like ultimately kind of a screamo-ish label for like two or three years, but uh, laid that to rest in March. Um, rest in peace. If anybody wants any records, Big Cartel is still up and everything. Um, help your boy out. He's practically everything. giving the records away, so go fucking go pick it up before he throws it in a dumpster. <laughs> Advertisement. All right, go on, uh, but yeah, uh, Dark Trail. Yeah, so. Yeah, so Dark Trail Records started that in 2017 as sort of a way to another way for me to contribute to the scene. I've been wanting to contribute musically for a while, but for for whatever reason, you know, I just haven't really found the right group of people, and I don't really want to release solo music. Christian has gone under a few monikers through the years, but he's always had kind of a solo project in the background. It's always had this like pot of water simmering in the back with like a little stock in there. You know, you're like, you're like, what do you got going back there? He's like, I see the bass. You're like, I don't know. I don't really know what's going on here. You've had a, what? Waking Grave? Waking Grave, yeah. Um, What was the other name? You had one before that? We're not going to talk about that because... Damn that, it! Because <laughs> you don't remember, I'm not going to say it. Because it it's was, not a good band It name. was just as... It was It was worse than She Loves It. I, it just, was, I know that. It was very verbose and not good. Yeah, it was, but it, it was of the time, I feel. It, it was of the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was also, sadly, like, derivative of another band name, too. So that's why I couldn't use it. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no one will ever know because Levi can't remember. Super deathcore, like, you know, like, I kill women or something like that at that <laughs> oh time. You know? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's up God. the time, you know, it's up the time. What fucking, yeah, it's funny to hear people talk so, like, wax nostalgic about the 2008 deathcore period because it's just, like, the most misogynistic, like, lyrically it's speaking. It's so, it's, like, hard to go back and listen to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not just misogynistic, but just problematic in general, you know, like. There's one specific label, I won't name them, that are p- pumping out, r- bringing back like old, quote unquote, MySpace bands. And uh, the ones that this specific label is releasing, it's a, a lot of a lot of just yikes. ones you don't need to bring up that we don't remember that you don't need to bring up. And you look, it's like a, it's you could a, be talking about so many labels. That's so funny. It's you'd be talking about four or five different revivalist labels right now. I won't say anything. We don't. Anymore. We need to get into shit. I, was gonna, I could give one more clue; it would be fun, but I won't. <laughs> uh, if you know, I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Math Corey Nick, started doing the fest, and that is pretty much that brings us to today. Yep. Yep. We've um, been doing the podcast for uh, seven or six years, seven or eight years actually now. Yep. Yeah. 2016. So. Yeah, shit's a trip, man. Um, we've gone uh, back and forth from doing it uh, together, and then through the two and a half years with COVID and stuff, we did it remotely. And yeah, during this time, I, I moved, actually, back to Humboldt County very yep. briefly. Yep. Oh, it's yeah. funny how we've, we've both ended up in the same city, and then I ended up back in the city that we met. Yep. Somehow. Then you got the then you got you, you came right back, though, so that's all, it's all good. I did it for work. I did it for a job that I... Then they allowed me to transfer back to SF and then laid me off subsequently. So that was that, that, that was a weird journey. It was a yeah. weird like year and a half. But uh, yeah, so here we are. We're, we're at uh, episode 100. And then uh, in next month, a Math Core Index Fest. Uh, this would be the fifth one? Is it the fifth one? This is the, our sixth Six? annual God fest. damn. This is only our third in person or our f- third in person. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because it would be New York, Oakland, and this one. New York, Oakland, no, 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 Chicago. No, this fourth, is our fourth, fourth in person. Fourth Chicago, yeah. Huh. New York, Oakland, and Chicago, and now New York again. I got, I got my, I had my first uh, COVID experience with uh, the right bef- a week before I went to Chicago. So sorry, everybody, that you know, I wasn't. There. You weren't there. Yeah. I it was two, it was two, no, I just can't believe there was two remote fests. It's, it's crazy to think that you know. Yeah, I mean, there we couldn't do it in person. It just made more sense at the time. I didn't want to like put people, put their lives at jeopardy when. Potentially, they didn't have a, a vaccine. At the time, there wasn't like a vaccination. I feel like that's know. another beautiful little DIY thing. Like there was no money involved there. Everybody just fucking came out and did their part. And you I know. mean, actually, we successfully raised like five thousand dollars, as I recall, for Black Lives Matter. Oh, really? Yeah. That first year? Yeah, that was the uh, the year of the the George Floyd protests. So oh, we, so yeah. Oh, yeah. We ended up raising several thousand dollars, and then the next year, even though I didn't like set up a fundraiser, we ended up don't. Or we ended up. Uh, generating like $500 and I donated that as well. Amazing. I knew nothing about this. That's tight as fuck. Yeah. Like the, the thing was like still open from whatever streaming platform I was using. So yeah. Um, you know, in terms of what I see for the podcast going forward, uh, it, it's like, I'm sort of, I'm addicted, but also fatigued by this current like content creation loop that we're in. If I'm being completely honest, because mm-hmm. it's like, as Levi was saying, like, the scene is getting, it's starting to flourish more. And I'm not saying that you know we are the reason that is, but like I feel like we've sort of contributed to it, and now it's sort of to our detriment because there's all this music to <laughs> to cover and we can't cover it all. But um, 
Yeah, new shit's getting made every day, like different different views, and like I said, just subgenres mixing with subgenres, and it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to keep up this long form. I guess is what I'm saying. Like it's, I definitely going forward like to see us do more short form. What what do you see for the future of this podcast? Mathcore Index Radio. We just <laughs> literally just play Mathcore. Well, yeah, that should that should definitely be a thing. But it's, I mean, that, that's a playlist, basically. You know, that's that's easily done. Finally make our Mathcore Index Hot Boy Summer calendar. No. No? Is that a no? What what I'm thinking is to just completely ignore what you're saying. Okay, well, okay. All right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> is you did to, that the last time, too? All right. right. I'm thinking, I think that we should do more live casts. That's something that I would like to see for us. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, there's a lot of challenges involved in doing a live format. Like, currently, we only do a live format for our Patreon supporters. So, we would sort of be kneecapping ourselves in that respect by taking away what is can you know one of the most considerable benefits from being a patreon tossing it up on the youtubes and everything like that but like yeah i I think that um i think that doing live format at least maybe for like interviews would would be beneficial to both us and the person that we're interviewing yep um i guess uh how can we uh how can we get people's responses what's the best way to get back to us things that you want to see yeah how how do you want uh, people to hit us up and let us know about you can um, hit us up I'll, I'll there'll actually be a poll on spotify I'll, what i'll do is i'll create a poll at the end of the podcast for you to li- or to go check out and you can maybe leave some uh, suggestions for what you think and if you have any like more uh, specific suggestions you can email us at mathcoreindex at gmail.com just put calendar for the for for hot boy summer i'll know exactly <laughs> what it is so just write calendar if you guys want that i get it yeah, but I, I do see more f- short form and less long term in our, our future. I feel like we would have. It's just, you know, it's it's a little easier to sort of like do retrospectively short form content. Like, I hate to talk about it. I'm like a, a content content. It's what brain, the kids but, want, kid. It's what the kids want. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, let's be real. The At this point, it's like we're almost. I don't want to say we're just looking backwards because there's. There's new bands like Callous Cowboys and Pupil Slicer that really do give me a lot of hope for where the, the genre is heading. But I, I feel like largely our fan base is like, you know, looking back on <laughs> the music itself from like that time period and less like trying to find these new bands like we are. I feel like we would be nerding out anyways without this podcast, but I really appreciate this podcast. Just, you know, it's I mean, it's 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 work on our side, but uh, it sure is like. It's great to like just see all these bands like grow and combine and form and you know some leave you know but it's just um it's incredibly rewarding yeah yeah just to to I mean once again just giving love embracing just making people and I mean anybody who listens then you go listen to the band and stuff it's beautiful fucking it's like full circle we got going on here yeah um not to like sound like I'm complaining about doing long form content because I I feel like that it, it is rewarding in in its own right and that uh. You know, it's it's definitely sharpened my my ability so like to get more specific and more detail oriented in, in my write ups, you know, not just like a a paragraph or two. Like I write like, you know, on average probably three thousand words per per podcast, I guess. And we, we, we definitely go off off our notes quite a bit as well. But Yeah, Christian has like a script ultimately. I don't want to call it a script, but yeah, I definitely like when I'm like thinking the thought, I write that thought as if I would say it and then I try to say you know, I try to recreate that magic for you on the podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, man. Uh, let's uh, stop talking about ourselves. Let's, yeah, let's get into enough this, uh... navel gazing, as they say. We've we fucking 
Enough, enough circle jerking. Yep. So so I mean so 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 for episode one hundred, we're still we still got uh, yeah, the same you. fucking good bands and stuff. Thank you for listening. And thank we're you gonna, for listening. Yeah. We really appreciate it if you've been here, especially since the start. You know, it's a it's a labor of love, um, and we especially big thanks to our Patreon supporters. That's a, honestly our our Patreon is largely what like keeps me going because yep. they're like our most diehard supporters are on our Patreon. So if you're not on there and you want to throw us a couple bucks a month. Definitely hop on there because, uh, you know, I would like to make doing music stuff a full-time thing. And Is the tattoo option still on the Patreon? <laughs> we can get it back on there. Okay, cool. We need to get the, the, that special, the special tier on there. <laughs> I don't know if we have anything commensurate to offer them for, for paying for a, a silly tattoo, but... Calendar? No. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm just going to politely ignore that. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So let's talk about some bands. So the first band we're going to talk about is Pupil Slicer. Whew! I'm going to start fucking hard here. So Pupil Slicer are a mathcore outfit from London, UK. And we covered the band's debut full-length Mirrors back in 2021, which was one of my favorite releases of that year. One of the mm-hmm. best releases. Both of ours, actually, that year. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Great album, production by... Uh, Padram Vajani of Frontier and Sectioned. So you really get that kind of, you know, it, it's got a very Frontier sort of yes. production palette to it. And they just released their new album Blossom on June 2nd via Prosthetic Records. And I'm happy to say that they've improved on practically every aspect that made this band good and with a much more ambitious track listing. <laughs> He's dying. <coughs> Inhaled something. <clears throat> do you got any booch left? You know, do you want a fizzy water after? Punk ass. <clears throat> Sorry, everybody. I don't know what happened. That was a freak accident. <clears throat> <clears throat> Thank you, Levi. Get it. <clears throat> And I'm happy to say that they've improved on practically every aspect that made this band good with a much more ambitious track listing and nothing feels like it's burdened with fluff. Like I feel like there was, mm. <clears throat> excuse De- me. I feel like the last album definitely had a few moments where it was like less than inspired and more like middle of the road, I think is what I said originally. Yeah. Um, there's, there was like no filler, but yeah, just fluff, like kind of like intro-y, outro-y kind of stuff, you know? Um <clears throat> Now, I would say with this album, holy fucking shit, it is a snowball rolling down a hill. They have collected extra elements going on here. Um, it, it really is uh, just a step up. Blossom was amazing. Um, they, yeah, I don't know, man. This is this is fucking nuts. Um, I, I, it's honest, super good. This is by far my most listened to album like this last month. Uh, I, I, the, the vocaling, vocal stylings, uh, top notch. The, yeah, the, Kate has really improved on this album vocally. Kate uh, must be lifting weights with those vocal cords. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's crazy. Uh, also, the bass work in this. Whew, a lot of good bass work God, on this album. Like damn it, dude. mud vein level. Like Whew, up in the slap mix. of the bass. Fucking slap of the bass. Yeah, homie. Homie's bass parts are are quite prevalent in the mix for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate that because there's there's this just like 
it's one thing to be lost in the mix in the background and sort of just like doubling the pitches, but it's another to be providing like almost lead type parts. So back to the the snowball rolling down the hill, I want to say that the, these elements that are kind of uh, added into this this release, you know, you have like joyous kind of choruses going on, synths, yeah. indie rockish parts. You know, it's uh, it's a little all over. There's like a rap metal-y kind of like section in one spot. And it's just like it is. They are having some fucking fun. It, it's it's great. Yeah, man. I, I really feel like People Slicer are finding their voice on this record. That they found their voice on this record, rather. Like, I mean, the mathcore influences such as Dillinger and Converge are like still evident, but mm-hmm. just. It's not so much to dominate the conversation about being derivative of it or anything. And yet I feel like just back to the vocal parts specifically, that's what I want to dial in on and focus on. Cause I feel like that's more the main aspect that's improved. You could tell on mirrors, there was a little uncertainty in the vocal approach and a lot of tracks like they don't sound especially confident, but on this record, Kate sounding much more comfortable, uh, much more comfortable rather in the, melodic parts especially i think i feel i feel like just seeing the live sets and the live photos from this last tour that they were on i feel like kate has even just strengthened as being just a front person of this band 100%. you know and just i mean vocal styling and just the the presence and the strength i just see a lot of just uh, a lot of a lot of piss and vinegar behind there you know it's good yeah and so the the singing parts i think are, are what is really making this album stand out for me mm-hmm uh, some especially strong moments on Momentary Actuality and the album's Closer, Blossom, where they suddenly just break out into these like poppy hooks and chaotic bridges. Blossom's where it's at there. Yep. I mean, it, this is really similar to when Dillinger dropped Miss Machine. Like they blew everyone's minds with, you know, by the inclusion of these like pop choruses in the math core format. And um, yeah, as you were saying, there's, they're they're doing a lot more on this record too. There there's a lot more left field like electronic shit. There's a lot more borderline industrial elements kind of peeking through, in a way that really reminds me of Code Orange as well. You really got to give it up to Code Orange and in vain for just kind of pushing forward electronic is you know, electronic injections into metalcore. And I uh, I did pick this up from an interview, but it's my understanding that their their overall approach from this album and last uh, this album uh, and last album is that they basically write these these songs and then go into the studio and tech and basically figure out how to play them together once they get into the studio. You know, which I think um, it if if it works in the in the in the the chemistry and everything works i mean because on a, on being like the recording a guy that just sounds really fucking stressful but i think i think <laughs> being with, a producer you know you might be having to make some serious contributions i heard case, them like yeah. fucking cattle or something like that you know but i feel like like if, if you are going in with uh uh bandmates that you all get each other i think this is exactly how you add these extra elements is you have these written songs go in figure out how to write them together and in figuring out that how to write them together or play them together you know maybe you're kind of adding this adding that you know so they just, worked with sorry to interrupt no no, no that, that was basically it boom christian I, I was just gonna say that lewis johns produced this album so if you know that name you know he's, he's worked with rilla tomasi and some other kind of like comparable uk metalcore bands and i i see him really seeing or getting kate's vision I, and let's be honest people slicer is clearly kate davies vision so um Leading the pack there. I think working with somebody like Lewis Johns probably he immediately clicks with and understands like what what the vision was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
so I think other than that, man, I I, I feel this is uh, so good. This, it's really hard to pick apart or find anything I don't like about this release. I, I will say that a low point for me is the dim morning light. Like it does kind of drag for me a little bit, but I think that it's it's placement in the track listing makes sense. And I, I can see a lot of people maybe coming through thinking that this album is a bit overly long because there is an intro. There's a interlude on the second leg. Um, and there's some lengthy tracks, you know, like it's, uh, exactly. Yeah. There, there's like three tracks that are over seven or eight minutes and they have like a, a minute long, at least like instrumental introduction. So it kind of takes a second to get to. So it's, it's longer arcs for these these songs. I feel I feel more than mirrors. This is an album that, you know, it's more of a ride. You but, know? It, but it rewards you, though. Mm-hmm. Like it rewards that patience for sticking out those eight minute tracks is what my point oh, is. Oh, and trust me, if there's a calm, the, you know, if there's a calm in the storm, it's something's happening. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it, I, it's coming back hard. So just watch out. Like don't. Yeah, don't get this twisted. Like, Kate, I don't want to say it's like math core fan service, but I, I feel like it's just like that wink is there. You know, yep, yep, <laughs> it's like, yep. don't worry. We're still going to give you the heavy and the, yep. the chaotic parts. I'm just going to say this. I think they should be on a bigger fucking label in a than prosthetic that just promotes them better and gives them more because I would I just hope that something happens there I'm just and you need to leave that in that's all I'm gonna say uh, I'm not gonna edit you I'm not gonna censor you <laughs> but yeah unless uh, it's true it's really problematic but, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no I, I feel like uh, I feel like they they really uh, deserve a little bit more and I hopefully like uh, they because uh, th- I feel like this last tour it's probably crazy. the biggest most streamed band on prosthetic right now I want to venture maybe maybe not maybe like <sighs> Because they've lost some of their bigger bands, like Dragged Into Sunlight. And- yep, yep. I, I, overall, though, uh, they rip, and this was an amazing release. Uh, I want to say that uh, Departure of Solitude and Great Blossom track. are my two favorite tracks. Departure so. of Solitude, fucking yep. A1. That's a really, really good track for sure. I, I will say that the singing on that track sounded a bit auto-tuned, hmm. but I, I think that that was probably deliberate. I think it's sort of like... Oh yeah, no, no, no. Um, you know that, uh, I read an interview. They they acknowledge it. it okay. is, yes, they are well aware that there's the auto tune going on. I yeah. mean, it's like super. If you're a pre, uh, if you don't anything about production and you're paying attention, you will hear some very auto tune. No, came in kind of a, kind of a little uh, funny remark like, oh yeah, there's gonna be tambourines, fucking everything in, in this in this album, basically, just like kind of like yeah, motherfucker, yeah, we're gonna put everything in there. Like I don't care. There's there's a lot going on stylistically, uh, but it's it's also cohesive ultimately. Mm-hmm. Overall. I mean, they're just really striking that perfect balance, that hard to reach balance of you know tightly executed math core and legitimately catchy pop, and uh, I think this is one of the best albums of 2023 so far. Well said. C- certainly one of my favorites. Yep. And I think that Pupil Slicer, moreover, have established themselves as one of the the best bands in this current generation of math core, um, along with their U.S. counterparts, of course, and the, the Callous Style Boys. And to to say that sentence right now in 2018, I would have been like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Crazy. Because both of them were not releasing good music back then. Or let's, let's say they weren't releasing especially great music. It was like passable. It's crazy where everything comes from. 2019 yeah. hit and both of those bands, like prior to, to playing Math Core Index Fest 2018, yeah, Boys didn't really have any good music out, but they they played die on mars almost in its entirety at that fest before it was out i'm glad carson isn't gonna listen to this no i saw that when they played fake dinosaur bones live in 2018 i was like holy shit this band is gonna be like the next cu space cowboy and sure fucking enough like yeah, die on mars was a step forward for see, sure that was before cu space cowboy even got bigger than they are then i already knew that they were gonna be huge but that yeah that, that was crazy we're the nostradamus of underground music jesus it's christ fine. 
John Lennon over here? <laughs> so, um, yeah, tracks I liked, I definitely agree with you that Departure and Solitude was super strong. I feel like that was maybe a bit more industrial than I wanted for us, though. No Temple, Momentary Actuality, and Blossom were my ultimately my favorites. I think Blossom is... Blossom was a single, right? It was the... the it's the last track on the album, the title track of the album, mm-hmm. and the first single that they debuted, which yep. is such a strange choice, but uh, I think in retrospect it was pretty smart because Blossom is just in my head constantly. I've had it stuck in my head since I heard the track, basically. Yeah. But um, I think Momentary Actuality is the track for the podcast, track two, because they kind of like break out into like, it, it gives you like the, the the better sort of math core elements, but also has the, the sort of melodic conclusion on the second leg or the, the second part of the track. You had me at the title. Let's fucking cool. do it. Yep. So we're going to play for you Momentary Actuality, which is track two from Blossom, which is People Slicer's new album that came out on June 2nd via Prosthetic Records. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, so that was Momentary Actuality, which is track two from Blossom, which is People Slicer's new album that came out on June 2nd via Prosthetic. Mm-hmm. So next, we're going to talk about Soul Keeper. And Soul Keeper are a mathcore, or metalcore if you prefer, outfit from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota! Home of so many good bands. and uh, We got two Minnesota bands on this podcast today. We do. We do. They're brethren in the motion mosaic, who we'll be talking about next. Spoil it. <laughs> Why not? Stick around. See, we, we covered them back in 2020 when they released those singles, uh, Gorgeous and Holy Glow. And of course, they did bring those back on the album, by the way. Yep, notice that. Don't I don't judge because those are excellent fucking tracks. However, they are, they ended up being arguably some of the more stronger tracks from the album, but we can get into that. Uh, so they're back with their new album, Holy Design, which they released on May 12th. And I, I feel like they've, with this album, they have pretty much established themselves as one of like the most cutting edge metalcore bands in this new wave of like glitchy, really pitch shift heavy, you know, metalcore that's like bordering on like mathcore kind of material. Absolutely, nasty, nasty breakdowns in here. Like them and From Joy, Mouth Breather, Sleep Sculptor, they're kind of all this like new next gen, you know, vein inspired. Danza inspired. Just everyone's on the whammy pedal, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more breakdowns. I'll, I'll say that. Yep. Brings, the, 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 and there's the glitch, and we're bringing in the glitch now. It brings me into like a new metal vibe at, at some points, you know, with it. I'm so glad you said that. Soulkeeper. Yeah. I, 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 what the am vocal I, styling specifically bring me into this new metal route? Sometimes I agree. Great. I agree. You know, I want to preface this by saying that I did really enjoy the album, but I felt like they sort of don't have enough time on this record for them to like stretch their legs stylistically and experiment with different like moods and dynamics to kind of set themselves apart. But yeah, they, there definitely is a bit of a new metal side of this album on tracks like sweet vitriol, for example, it's not that prevalent, but on that no. track, especially there's a couple of new metalisms that are pretty distinct. Yeah, I just kept like through the listen to the album. I kept getting a whiff, you know, it was good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, to get back to what I was saying, there's, there's a lot of box ticking, but I had a little trouble differentiating between the other songs that weren't the singles, basically. This this release is, is short and sweet. It's fucking relentless. Um, I kept I I really enjoyed going back and listening to this over and over again. It is super good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I would say I would say like. <sighs> I mean, I don't have too much to say because of that. the The formula is pretty similar in the in each track. You know, they're not. You could really... say a lot of what we said about this band that we said about from Joy. Yeah, absolutely, and that's I would say. So I think that's why we're arriving at this this point. For, this is this is for fans of you know Barrier uh, Barrier from Joy Zombie Shark. I would even go to. Oh you know? sure, yeah. yeah. There's a bit of they're they're kind of bordering on some cyber grind material absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Levi's finding all the the things that I was sort of failing to identify that make this band unique. It, it just kept grabbing. <laughs> By the air, zombie shark specifically, but um, my favorite tracks, uh, holy design, and then hyperfine, uh, hyperfine tension, really fucking yes. grabbed me by the boo boo. I one hundred percent agree. You you pointed to the hyperfine the, transition. Sorry, yes, hyperfine transition and um, holy design. The opening track and title track are certainly the other two. Like of the newer batch of songs, are the best. For holy sure. holy design kicks the fucking door down. It like does. if you don't like that one, you better fucking just turn the album. Yeah, off turn the album. Move off, on yeah. because yeah, this is not going to be your cup of tea. But yep. yeah. I feel like hyperfine transition by that point in the album, they've definitely hit their stride. And you know yeah. that 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 very minor complaint aside about not having enough like specificity in their sound, this material here is absolutely fucking explosive, and it's sure to please anybody who likes whammy worship shit. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, that's it. That's it Hyperfine Transition, that's it. Cool. So we're going to play Hyperfine Transition, which is track seven from Holy Design, which is Soul Keeper's new album that dropped on May 12th. Here we go. So that was Hyperfine Transition, which is track seven from Holy Design, which is Soul Keeper's new album that dropped back in May. So next, we're going to run down uh, some quick news, news pieces, but news and the new news, new news for you. Botch have just announced a new run of New England dates with Converge and Caven. So get your fucking tickets to that ASAP. I'm surprised it hasn't sold out yet. What a crazy lineup, dude. Men over 30 in black zip-up hoodies are stoked. That's me. I'm men in over 30 black <laughs> zip-up hoodies. All that stuff I just said. Johnny Booth uh, doing an East Coast, Midwest, and Southwest August tour with Thought Crimes and Earth Groans. So Awesome. You can catch our boy Billy out on the road. The Fall of Troy doing a small Midwest tour in July with Dreamwell and Omerta celebrating 20 years of their self-titled album. 
and 10 years of not speaking to each other. Woo! hey oh Crazy, dude. It's crazy. Cell damage, Mothman, and Marrow all hitting the road today for a run of Southwest and West Coast, coast dates. Short West Coast, <laughs> West Coast, and West Coast. <laughs> yeah, short and sweet run, but you know you can call it a tour still. Speaking of tours that start today, Mouth Breather doing an East Coast July run starting today. Uh, Rob Ford Explorer and Hit Me Harold doing a West Coast summer tour. So some math rock for you there. Pac-Man the Movie are back. Pac-Man the Movie have just uh, they performed with almost an entirely new lineup, minus founding member and. Songwriter Winton Davis. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. I, you know, I have high hopes for it. I, I feel like Winton knows talent. The last group of people that he recruited to work with him were all super good. And although I think it's been a Pac-Man's been a, a bit of a solo project for him, I I, uh, I have faith that the the new manifestation will be good. I'm okay. looking forward to hearing new Pac-Man. You can awesome. actually there is rehearsal. There's an hour worth of like practice. Rehearsal footage, not necessarily all performance that you can go watch on YouTube. So, if you're curious. Cybergrind, excuse me. Cybergrind lovers rejoice. Blind Equation have just announced a short run of Midwest and East Coast July dates with New Zealand Cybergrind hip-hop crossover artist Death Trippa, which is so fucking sick. I, I love Death Trippa. We've covered both in the podcast. Check them out. Yeah, and as of today... Uh, uh, Blind Equation have just announced they're signing to Prosthetic Records. Sick. Prosthetic Records really just, yeah, nabbing every underground artist that is uh, adjacent to the stuff we talk about. This episode brought to you by Prosthetic Records. <laughs> They've been mining us for years. <laughs> so next, that's all the news I got for you. <laughs> next, that's all the news. Yeah. Psych, bitch. Psych. <laughs> Unintentional, sorry for the fake out. So next, we're going to talk about the Motion Mosaic. And the Motion Mosaic are a mathcore quintet from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Again, lots of love for Twin Cities on this podcast. Minnesota. We covered their debut full-length Avant Garbage back in 2020, and I think the band experienced a bit of a hiccup. They had a bit of a lineup shakeup. Um, they lost their they lost their original vocalist, Spencer, but they've since recruited a new guitarist and... Founding member Steve Heft has moved into the lead vocal position. Boy, howdy. These vocals are fucking good. I, yeah, I... What? Say I, something. I, I'm, I'm a bit mixed on them. I, I do feel like um, there could be a bit more variation, perhaps, in the delivery. I, I, I feel like the, sassy bitch. What are I you know. doing right now? Why are you saying... Why? What are you... <laughs> really? Yeah. He sings and everything on there. What if do you, you mean, really want to know, else? if you really want to know my actual opinion, I'm giving my actual legitimate opinion on this. Interesting, right now. but but he like sings it. He does like he does like he's got some multi range stuff going. You on. You let me finish. I was gonna say that he is versatile. Like the, I think the singing is is like competently delivered. Okay. So to to your point, yeah, I do agree. The singing is good. Like it's definitely not. None of it is poorly performed. I, I guess maybe it's just like. His ta- his choice of timbre in certain parts, I'm like, mm. oh, I see. Okay, I don't I don't have the ear for what you're saying. Then I I, I understand the critiques. It's know. a really hyper specific critique. Mm-hmm. It, honestly, it's not something that you should take away being like I'm going to be picking apart the vocal parts now because we can be personal sometimes on here. We can say the sp- the special certain things it, that only gripe us. You know, we get yeah, to do that. If you want to ask for my super specific preference, yeah, I I'm not always super crazy about 
the vocals in like the the latest batch of Motion Mosaic tracks. But that being said, uh, this is a strong batch of songs. Like I could have easily seen them fitting into like a larger scope of an album. Uh, they all offer a little something different in terms of dynamic flavor. So yeah. it's it's not just a wall of sound for fucking yeah. 15 minutes. No, they're bringing no. you some different parts. Love me a jam-packed EP like this, though. They fucking, they, they, they pack it in. It's great. I mean, it's amazing. Like, they're, in terms of, like, the instrumentals, like, I have only positive things to say. Like, they are, I mean, this band is just so in, underrated considering how good they are. I do. I feel like they're basically like the cream of the crop when it comes to the next generation of mathcore bands. Mm-hmm. Like they're one of the few bands who can even come close to rivaling the Dillinger Escape Plan in terms of like technical prowess. They got some chops. Yep. They really do have some chops. If you're like looking for like musicians, musician band, like this is this is the kind of this is the band that you want. Motion Mosaic. They they're really like next level good players. Lyrically, I like it. It's kind of like kind of focused on like a little more on like uncertainty and like religion and stuff. Um, it's got like this this whole e- the EP has like a lyrical like kind of direction, which I like even in a short EP that you have like this kind of approach. That's going being on generous there. too yeah. to like uh, to the listener. That is to like have a, a sort of an, a lyrical e- theme yeah, tying yeah, it yeah, together yeah, on yeah. an EP. Yeah, yeah, that's that's unusual. I would say usually an EP is sort of. You know your vignettes of a couple like leftover tracks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so out, I mean, out of the four, you know, uh, Precious and Death, uh, Death Ex- Exempt are my two that I really enjoyed. You know, both bangers. I mean, you can't go wrong with any one of these tracks. They all offer Death Exempt is just like bop 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 right into the breakdown. It's like you really, it's a uh, that's know. the breakdown track. You yeah. really hear the Minneapolis coming out of them on that track, don't God you? Damn right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I that is so funny. I had a prediction that you were going to select that track just be, based upon like the opening of it. Like it's really like like Midwesty breakdown metalcore. I missed the triple rock in Minneapolis. The, he, he said triple rock mentioned. Yep. I still go back and watch that um, after the burial video. Like, is it the final? This is that. That was like that was when Nick was still vocalist. Yeah. Like there were there's quite a few different YouTube ones of the of triple rock there. Them. But that's like proud. the original vocalist. Yep. 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 Who I actually I kind of like the original vocalist a bit more. Yep. He recorded the album with other vocals. What they were doing? That, they they pulled a conducting from the grave or yeah. a conducting from the grave pulled in after the burial and yeah, recorded yeah. the album with a new vocalist. How are you gonna do that? It's such a weird thing yeah. to do. Yeah. It hurts my brain and my ears. Well, Knights of the Abyss did the same thing. I think yeah. they had like maybe they didn't record an entire album with the original. They had no, I guy, think but... I think it was like a Suicide Silence thing where you know later vocalists redid certain songs or something like that, or you know that kind of thing. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Wow. That that conversation came full circle. Yep. But I, I vote we give him a ritual love, everyone. I, oh, I feel like okay. that's like like the strongest showing. Um, that sort of hits all the uh, the notes that we're talking about. I support it. So we're going to play Ritual Love Everyone, which is track one from Limbo Conditions, which is the Motion Mosaic's new EP that came out on May 12th. Here we go.
right, so that was Ritual Love Everyone by The Motion Mosaic. And that's off their new EP, Limbo Conditions, which came out back in May. Fucking banger. And just to sort of talk about what we were talking about during the song, the singing on that track in particular is quite good. Mm-hmm. I would definitely point to that as yeah. being as being strong. He's a fucking flip-flopper. That's what he is. No, God damn it, Levi. I'm not <laughs> trying to walk back anything I just said. <laughs> All right. So next, we're going to talk about Octopope. Octopope is a solo mathcore project from Mexico City by way of France. We covered the project back in 2020, Kichambre. We did cover them before. God damn it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we covered Kichambre, which I liked quite a bit. <laughs> I had some deja vu going on with this one. Yeah, you know, it's like this just very humor-injected, sassy sci-fi twist on mathcore. Yep. And it's a solo project, so it when you see the live videos of it, it's really... You don't forget Octopope. Like the guy there, wears a he wears an octopus mask. There, there, there's some humor, but um, it's almost like a, a Lou Kelly project. Where yes, there is some humor, but God damn it, you are dealing with a talented, talented musician to be doing all this. You know, one hundred percent. Like this guy puts out so much music. I mean, for being just one person, it's really crazy how much work JP puts into the project. Like it's constantly touring uh, North America, Central America. Uh, South Korea at one point. This project was based out of South Korea for a couple of years too. Fucking sick. And he's born in France. So I just talk about the most international of solo projects that you could possibly imagine. And I think that this, this is the best, this is JP's best album to date. When it, when it comes to like zany math core, this is a front runner for me, especially when it comes to like a, a healthy dose of humor. And sociopolitical commentary as well. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on here lyrically. Um, in and out of um, English lyrics, you know, um, with uh, I honestly could not tell what uh, the other lyrical content was um, uh, for, you know, but. Uh, yeah. Well, there's definitely a lot of like a lot of critiques of like fascism and um, conspiracy theorists. Like there's a track called A Dolphin, you know, A Dolph. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. In a track called, what is it? Uh, the, the track about mask wearing was definitely pretty funny, I thought. Like, mm-hmm. poking fun at conspiracy theorists who were sort of protesting against having to wear a mask during the pandemic. Lyrically, uh, not lyrically, but a vocal styling. Uh, man, when he, throw, when he throws in the... Uh, the the cookie, power of violence the vocals? Cookie, the, the cookie monster vocals? Yes, yes, they're fucking great, dude. I love them. I, I feel like... It's great. I feel like that would be a really divisive feature for most people, and... That was like my big hangup when I first heard Octopulp. I was like, I don't like these power oh, violence they're, they're, cookie. They're, they're, they're obnoxious. Those kind of vocals are very obnoxious. They do insist on themselves a little bit, but like now it's like, I love it. Now it, it really, now for some reason it's really hitting a chord with me. Especially when I think about it in the context of it being influenced by the Locust. Do you know what? I loved it before, but now that I know that it's one person doing all the vocals and that's one of the styles they want to throw in. Love it even more now. You sold me. I'm good. I think in a lot of ways, this project is kind of a love letter to the Locust, especially with those kind of like power violence inclusions <laughs> and the uh, the bit of like synth as well that's this, used this, in the production. This gives off, this gives off a 3-1-G vibes for sure. Yeah, yeah really. Absolutely. Truly 3-1-G. Like there, there should be huge labels working with this project. I mean, even though it's like you can only get so much like money behind a solo project that's you know, touring like it does, but I love how high the bass is turned up in the mix. Uh, it's just, it has got some funk going on here. You know, all, all the instrumental parts are performed quite competently on that note. 
it, this was so fucking good, man. Like it just kind of came out of nowhere and uh, with very little promo that I saw. And I'm, I'm taken by surprise how much I just kept coming back to this album. Just much, much like Kichambre as well. My favorite track, Dwayne. Dwayne is great. Uh, Carreau de Leader, uh, Odessa is hot tonight, and Lucho Libre. I thought were all major high points yeah, on Lucha, the album. Yep, that was a good one too. Yep. There's on that note. That track, I think it was that track, had an extra layer of glitchiness that is really adding a little something extra this time around too. I feel like there's a little bit more forward-thinking production elements on this album. Like he's oh, like, yeah. like he definitely is like paying attention to current. I want to say it's like trying to be trendy, but like those, those sort of like production, um, those like production points definitely sort of signal that he's listening to like model modern metalcore. Man, does not sound like a one-person project. Man, it really sounds like there's quite a few bodies in the room. It's fucking great, man. This is awesome. So when he plays live, this is worth discussing. He backtracks all the instrumentals but the drums and does drums and vocals. So like Ooh! But to sort of like compensate, there's a projector with him playing the bass and guitar in the background. So it, it's like you're seeing the you're seeing a lineup of people playing it. <laughs> It's fucking sick, dude. That's amazing. It is. It is great. Like, definitely go watch his um, video for Dijou Planet, D-I-J-O-U Planet, I believe the spelling is. It's a live performance of him. Like, that's like the best video of him on the internet. And it really just like sort of encapsulates what uh, an Octopulp show is like. But yeah, I agree that Dwayne is the track, though. Awesome. Cool. We're agreeing on one. This is the first one. All right. It's the opening track. It uh, definitely... Kicks the door down, as you might say. Episode 100. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreeing <laughs> on one out of four tracks so far. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Good track record. <laughs> You're being generous. I appreciate it. So we're going to go ahead and play Dwayne, which is track one from Alt-164, which is Octopulp's new album, which came out back on May 12th. Here we go.
So that was Dwayne, which is track one from Alt-164, which is Octopulp's new album, which came out back in May. And honestly, like, there is not a bad fucking track on that album. It it gets really, really good. It's my second listen to Behind Pupil Slicer, actually. It's, it's a lanky album. Again, just a staggering amount of material from a solo project. So next, we're going to talk about Black Matter Device. And Black Matter Device are a math core quintet from Richmond, Virginia. And they just dropped their new EP, Buckshot Mouthwash, Mr. Uncomfortable, on May 5th. The title's just as long as the EP. Ayo! <laughs> oh! Okay, sorry, I had to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's short. Apart from the two aforementioned new songs, the EP does feature uh, feature several live cuts as well as a noise interlude. So there's truly not much to talk about here. I don't count the live tracks. I really don't even have any notes for them. I'm not much. Well, why I, would you make notes on that? I am not much for uh, albums like this, but uh, yeah, that's it. Um, I, you know, I think in terms of like a marketing perspective, doing the live tracks was really smart though, because you're just, you're going to rack up more streams. Naturally, the person's going to probably absentmindedly listen to the entire EP and therefore get through all those additional tracks. So hmm, interesting. I, I, yeah, and it, like if you're trying to like rack up streams, I think it was really, I think it was smart. Like, hmm, okay. I'm coming from more like an, uh, uh, you know, uh, purchasing standpoint or something like that. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the, the noise track, especially doesn't do anything for me. I, I skip right over that, but like the material that's in these two new tracks is, is really quite good though. Like, you know, as much as I love black matter device, I've kind of felt like in the past that, and this is a criticism. I think I, I leveled before that, their last two releases can feel a bit like vignettes in that they lack, they sometimes lack significant development or length. And maybe you could contribute that to maybe like the grindcore sort of, you know, background mm-hmm. or maybe the grindcore element that sort of comes through in their music. But, you know, especially compared to their 2018 release, Modern Frenetics, um, which I, you know, even if I really vibe with the style and sound, like the new and the old, that is. Um, but, you know, again, overall, these two new tracks are really strong showing. And I think it was a smart move, again, to record some live tracks just to add a little something extra in there for extra visibility. You know what? Yeah, I'm kind of with you on this. Would it, like, that's, yeah. Um, I like hearing live songs. <clears throat> some people don't care, but, like, there's something about hearing, like, the raw, uncut, just organic version of the track in its most its man, purest form. Man, I don't know, man. That track's got to be recorded pretty well. I, I'm still going to be on the it's live. Side. It's not. It doesn't I'm sound good. 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 Yeah. You know, it's not like a polished recording. So yeah, you have to like get that out of your brain and just sort of like think of it from the perspective of a showgoer, where you're like hearing it in a live setting. You can't hear the a perfect mix. You're not standing at the soundboard. Yeah. Yep. You're standing yep. in front and you can't hear the vocals because they're coming through a monitor, which is basically behind you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm, I'm with you. But yeah. No. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to like make this a point of contention or anything. But agree to disagree. There you go. But um, which of the two were your favorite? I, I favor Buckshot Mouthwash. Buckshot Mouthwash. I, yeah. It has a serious fucking groove behind it. Mr. Uncomfortable is a bit more of like a technical showing, but like I feel like we're really trying to like turn people onto the band and we got to give them Buckshot Mouthwash. Oh, yeah. I'm with you on that. Oh, look at us. Green on two of them now. Look at that. Excellent. So we're going to play for you <laughs> Buckshot Mouthwash, which is track one from Black Matter Device's new EP, Buckshot Mouthwash, Mr. Uncomfortable. And that came out back on May 5th. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so that was Buckshot Mouthwash, which is off Buckshot Mouth Buckshot Mouthwash, Mister Uncomfortable, which is Black Matter Device's new EP that came out back in May. So next and last, we're going to talk about Koenigsor. And Koenigsor are a mathcore quintet from Austin, Texas. And they just dropped their new EP, Death Process, on June 2nd via Silent Pendulum Records. You know, I don't really have a whole lot of notes on this EP, unfortunately, and I'll tell you why. Apart from it being an EP, you know, so you can't really, like, formulate a large opinion on it, I couldn't really identify anything super unique and stand out about what they're doing. Um, they follow under this, the, like the Dillinger escape plan kind of, uh, you know, equation going exactly. on. You know? it, but it's good. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, but it's just like, so within the framework of the yeah. genre that it's really hard to find like a standout characteristic for me to like make something, you know, an extra commentary on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, so, uh, I got a few notes, uh, rubber dactyl, uh, the track rubber dactyl, uh, opens with a pretty fucking awesome groovy off kilter chug, you know, it does. Uh, that, you know, uh, next up, uh, uh the next track a- end of an error, kind of like that title of that track as well. Uh, brings that kind of two-step opener, you know, with a more kind of like laser work kind of guitar afterwards, which I fucking really enjoyed. Uh, There's some definitely very mosh conscious moments on this EP for sure. Track three, slow, uh, slow, uh, no, I don't think it's, I'm not sure if it's uh, track three, but a uh, slow creep. Uh, that's got more of that Dillinger escape plan frantic opening, which I truly enjoyed again. But once again, I'm glad you, know, you pointed to that yeah. track for sure. Um, <clears throat> slow creep and God, what is it? End um, of an error. No, the tongue track. What is oh, it? Oh, tongue cutter. Tongue cutter. Yeah, I, 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 they're definitely kind of kind of like more of like a melodic track. With, started with uh, with t- uh, the tongue cutter. Yeah, and I, I think as a result that ended up making it one of the more memorable tracks for me. It's a good track to kind of end the album with how they went like that. You know, I, I appreciate that. Good, good placement. Um, tongue cutter. I think is like in the middle of the album. Scratch that. But what what is it? Um. Yeah, the title title track "Death Process," the last track. So that's what you're thinking of, probably, is that there's a very, there's a, a pretty big nah, melodic, there's, there's, uh, there's a very big melodic moment on "Death Process" too. Like that again, I think okay. that makes it one of the more memorable tracks. Both, both uh, "Tongue Cutter" and "Death Process" had some very big melodic moments, and again, I think that that's what makes those the best tracks for sure. Rubber Dactyl was a great opener. You had my attention. It's it's really solid for sure, and I think that Bile Ritual as well had some pretty strong, just like very like riffy moments. If I had to pick a, a podcast track, that would probably be it. But ooh, let's do that because I don't even got that in my notes. Yeah, Bile Ritual definitely has like a really nice like pull off hammer on kind of like driving metalcore part to it. That's really really satisfying. Um, you know, all, all that being said, though, even though they kind of like wear their influences on their sleeve, like there's this is definitely still worth a listen. Otherwise, we wouldn't have included it in this episode. But um, yeah, I, I think I like it more when they like exercise some restraint and like break free of the um, I don't know, just the need to like bring a bunch of like staccato riffs down on your head. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> overall, I'm going to say tight math core going on here you really can't you know ask for much more you know right Um, exactly you know maybe maybe they'll kind of you know kind of keep rolling down the hill and pick up more elements or whatever but as of as of this this release uh it's it's good release you know yeah i mean it's definitely solid 
So we're going to go ahead and play for you Bio Ritual, which is track five from Death Process. And that came out on June 2nd via Silent Pendulum Records. Here we go. So that was Bio Ritual, which is off of Koenigsor's new EP, Death Process, which came out back in June via Silent Pendulum Records. God damn it, Holly. <laughs> oh, you just love this, don't you? Yeah. This is the beauty of doing it live, though, because I, I love reading the reactions when we're fucking up, because honestly, sometimes it can make it like worse for me like when I'm internalizing a mistake, but at the yeah. same time, it, it can be funny. You know. Day ones have right to just call you on your bullshit they like do. this. Yep. <clears throat> so before we wrap this up, thank you so much if you made it all the way to the end of the podcast. And if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and please go check out our Patreon and uh, leave us a couple bucks a month if you like what we do. 
And, you know, let us know if you like the podcast. You can tell us uh, what you liked. Uh, you can uh, leave us five stars. You can leave us a review. We'll have a little poll on Spotify, like Christian mentioned before, about, uh, you know, what you guys are wanting, you know, uh, more from the podcast or not, maybe. Telling you us to stop something, maybe. <laughs> That'd be, you know, whatever. Yeah, so there'll, there'll be a way you can sort of um, make commentary on Spotify now. You can vote on what your favorite band of the episode was and uh, potentially, you know, what you want to hear more of. And, of course, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at mathcoreindex at gmail.com. So I guess that about wraps it up for the 100th episode of MathCast. I'm your host, Christian. And I'm your co-host, Levi. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with some more sick underground bands. Good night, and stay beautiful. Stay beautiful.